Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. Our goal is to get to the root issues of systemic problems using a theological and psychological lens. We hope you enjoy. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings. Malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration Services, their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis, and I have back again, Miss Chelsea Harrington. Um, I am so thankful to have you back. Uh, glad to see you. I know we were talking before about just, you know, both of us are running in here in busy weeks and kids to tend to. And so thank you for your time. Thanks for jumping on and uh, coming back on. Thank you for having me again. I've been so excited. I really enjoyed our conversation last time, and I know we didn't get to everything. And yeah. so I've been excited to pick up so well tell me what's been up since uh we talked what any uh kind of big things or things going on that yeah kind of <laughs> i helped start a um private nature-based school okay um, what's it called and it's called well it's through an um, urban farm stand okay um, there's it's a small business owned by two people um and they used to live at the house on it. Um, and she was like, I think I want to make this into a schoolhouse. And so it's called, um, the farm school at Bell urban farm and it's in Conway, Arkansas. Okay. And so you're, Uh, what are you, you're running that? Um, no, (laughs) I helped, I helped start it. Okay. Um, like just, I was in a lot of the, you know, conversations and meetings and, interviews for staff and things like that but i my title i am working there um part-time as a nature play facilitator oh good um and so i i didn't know i kind of wanted to be more of like a consultant um (laughs) they wrote you in starting off it's like okay like we really want this to be done a certain way and we like okay it's it's gonna be me (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna have to be me for this but i i'm hopeful that um one day i can you know train somebody and um but it's been fun it's just a it's mixed age grouping it's we're real small and how many kids my son goes there uh, seven. Oh, right now. that's awesome. And so is it full day or is it a couple days a week or it is, it's, it's full time for school aged, um, uh, ages like five to eight. Okay. And so Monday through Friday. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. I saw one of the, uh, it's not the same thing, obviously, but it, there was an outdoor, uh, classroom school. We were in Montana a few months ago and, and it was oh, it looked yeah. really awesome. Um, well that's good. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, right up your alley you. and with all the things you do. And, um, I, you know, I look at your Instagram stuff all the time and you always have great outdoor. Um, my wife actually yeah. just started um, a local Barefoot University um, here. Do you know what that is? No. So Barefoot University is kind of an outdoor classroom uh, thing for homeschool 
And, um, and so they, her and another lady, uh, they had to apply and do an interview and all this stuff. And so they opened it here and they have, I think like six or seven families signed up and it's just once a week or twice a week. I can't remember once a week, I think. And they meet and they go and they learn all the outdoor stuff and do all the outdoor education and they all meet us and it's, uh, there's teenagers and, and, you know, six, seven year olds and all the way up. So they all kind of integrate and intermingle and it's, it's cool. That's so they, awesome. they start in January. They've done a couple like little small get togethers, but they they'll start full time in January. Oh, that's amazing to hear. There's so many I'm, I'm, every time I hear that something like that is starting up, I get so excited because there's a huge need for um, nature-based programming for um, kids of all ages. So it's cool to hear that teens get to be a part of that. And um, yeah, that's amazing. I hope that goes well yeah. for her. It's already going well. I think just having that community and that connection and <clears throat> people yeah. the same mind state and all that. So, all right. Well, you know, last time we're going to get to kind of your other thing that you do. So tell me about, uh, Arkan, you said the name cause I'll butcher it. Yeah. Um, so Arkansans. it's Arkansans. Yeah, there it Arkansans. Is. Arkansans. And I don't ever say that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. It, Louisiana, <laughs> Louisianians is what we say down yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I guess it just went well for like the, whatever it's called, like the abbreviation, but it's, Arkansans against school paddling. Um, And it is so I was kind of at a point back before I started all my own stuff. So I was like, I've always wanted to help people. That's Mm -hmm. ever since I was little, I'm a sensitive person. I just and there's a lot that I could help with, you know. And so I was like, well, I feel like I need to pick one thing. And just kind of that's take a stance on that, you know, and pour myself into that Um, because, you know, there's so many ways to support and help and so many amazing organizations. Um, But I felt like, you know, I've just all of my training as an OT, OTA and everything I had learned in parenting. um, I was like, this is something the corporal punishment, the paddling is what I'm talking about, that is still allowed in schools. It's one of those things that it really does affect the whole community, right? So, mm-hmm. like, even though I've always, you know, my son's not in public school, um, we have, you know, the privilege to do something different, and that's just the choice that we've made, and, you know, that's just, it is what it is. These things that happen to kids in schools affects everybody really because if it's affecting one person it has that ripple effect Mm -hmm. um and so i it i couldn't believe that there was this organization i had never heard of it and it had just been started and when was this take um do what when was this uh this was oh my goodness like three years ago okay um, it's we're still really new. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So give but, her, so so everybody knows you're you were an OT, and now you do a lot of parenting coaching and and yeah. all of that. And so they can go back and listen to our other episode. I have no clue which one it was. Um, but uh, and then you got into the kind of standing up against school paddling and corporal punishment in schools three years ago. And is this a nonprofit? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it is. Um, underneath the u.s um alliance to end the hitting of children which is a government funded program 
And so we're like a sector underneath that. Um, You have to have somebody to run it. You have to have a board. You have to do all the things. But um, we are underneath that. So the national organization is U.S. Alliance to End the Hitting of Children. (laughs) It's kind of hard to say all these um, (laughs) different organizations. But they have a great website. Um, you can go on there um, and look at statistics and look at data. Some people are really shocked to know that uh, paddling still goes on. I mean, you're in Louisiana. I know it still it happens there as well. Um, you nah. know, in the southern states. <laughs> yeah, in the not southern here. states. It's, not in the <laughs> south. We don't still hit kids like at not, school. it's not surprising for us but like you talk like we've got somebody on our board that lives in chicago and i've got a couple of friends that are in my yoga group that are from chicago and they are flat out shocked i mean they're just like they and it's weird to me because i'm like this has always been my i mean you know um i grew up in a school that paddled and it's 2023 and yes it's still happening yeah, so give some of those statistics that we had talked about uh, a while back. Um, I don't really have them right off the top of my head today, which I should have been uh, more prepared. Oh, it's all good. Um, but you can go. So the website um, is bandpaddlingar.com. Let me look um, it up. Which I, Keep going. And Band you can like. Paddling. <laughs> AR.com. My listeners are going to love this. Well, and that's just for Arkansas. Right. Um, And what you can do is you can go to, like, if you lived in Arkansas, you would go to your town um, and you would, or your school district, I'm sorry, and it would say, does this. Here we go. 67% of Arkansas school districts endorse corporal punishment. 91% of schools in 19 states that still permit corporal punishment have banned the practice. 96% of schools in the United States prohibit corporal punishment. So 96% prohibit it. 91% of schools in 19 states that still permit corporal punishment have banned the practice. And 67% of Arkansas school districts endorse corporal punishment. So it's compared to the rest of the country... Arkansas is really winning at continuing to want to hit the children and paddle them yeah. in school. Yeah. So, okay. So let's dive into this for just a second. So I live in Louisiana and I, um, you know, have grown up in where we talked about this actually last week. I had Dr. Tina Bryson on and we talked about discipline and, um, you know, the difference between discipline being punishment and spanking and that, that the average person just thinks of spanking. Um, yeah. I listened to it, by the way. It was amazing. Uh, Yeah, I was nerding out. Um, So (laughs) I want to delineate two things. We're not even going to get into it. We might get into it, but I don't think we have time. Into if you want to spank your kids as a parent. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, they're talking about not spanking. We're not even getting into that. What we're talking about is strangers at a school hitting your kid with either a paddle or what else do they hit them with? Um, I mean, it's really paddles i mean that's what it's i don't i mean i think they can use their hand as well um but from what i understand it's paddles right um and that that brings a really good point that was one of the things that we were talking about in our i think it was like two board meetings ago there is no like 
training <laughs> training for this so it's like you know it's like okay how would you even define safe hitting of children like it's just it's it's really like crazy when you think about it. it's like okay there's no nobody's getting trained on how to do this like how hard you do you swing it, do you right. use your wrist or your forearm do you, you know, so in jujitsu, we do this thing. The Gracie's came up with this way of talking about like, um, how to like power, for example. So when you like, uh, when you're in a grapple and somebody's trying to punch you, you want to shut down as many, uh, uh, angles as you can. So the wrist is one, the, and if you can't see me on the video, I mean, you're listening to this, your elbows, another, your shoulders, another, your hips, another, and then your knees and your torque. So there's five. And so you want to be able to limit all the way down to like, if somebody can only hit you with this, right there, I've just been in my elbow with my, it's not that it doesn't hurt that bad, but if somebody can hit you with three or four or five, they can knock you out. And so thinking about that this week when I was, uh, we were doing some like self-defense drills, I was thinking, man, I mean, do they teach, you know, these teachers, you know, do you turn your full hips into it? Do you just use your wrist? Do you use your elbow? How big is the kid? Like how big are you yeah. compared to the kid? There's so many questions. And what I'm understanding from you and what I've been reading is there's just zero regulation on any of that. Right. That's insane. Down to down. It is insane. Down to the point of there could just be one person in that room. I so remember what you and I know. Yeah. I remember I was, let's see, that was middle school. So I was probably fifth or sixth grade. So that put me at like 11 and we were on the, we were in the, in the recess and this kid called somebody a name and I called him a name back and the <laughs> gym teacher, um, sent us to the office and you know, I don't remember what else happened, but sent us to the office. And, um, I remember sitting in class and they said, uh, you know, Clint, come to the office. Well, anytime I go to the office, I always think I did something wrong anyway. Um, so I got there and the, the principal, he said, you know, you, you guys should not be name calling. And it wasn't anything like even bad. It was like stupid or, you know, I don't remember. And he was like, mm -hmm. you, you know, but this is the second time we've warned you. Um, we're going to uh, either you get three licks or you get three days suspension or three weekends of like in school suspension. I can't remember. And I was like, uh, licks, you know, like I'm not going to, you know, come on, come up here on a Saturday. Um, yep. and, and I remember leaving, going back to the classroom Exactly. and then they called all of us on the intercom. So my, it was my friend, Derek, uh, <laughs> Re Reggie, a bear was the other guy and me. And so I remember <laughs> Derek walking by the door, uh, like, you know, kind of looking at me crazy. And then I remember him walking back by and he like grabbed his butt and like jumped forward, like kind of laughing, like, cause he had just gotten paddled. And so then I go in there behind him and Reggie was this really big kid. And I'll never forget there, were, it was a glass table and I could see Reggie's palm prints on the table from where he put his big old hands. Now, you know, he's 11 at, you know, he's probably 11 or 12. So now I'm like mm -hmm. his little kid's hands. But to me at the time of being 11, you know, it was like, I put my hands on there and he, you know, the principal whacked me three times with this thick paddle and it stung and did not feel good, you know? And, uh, I left and I was just like, man, it was so humiliating and demeaning and frustrating and, and all over literally, I think I remember what ha Reggie was like outside and there was this big, huge, uh, and shout out to Reggie. If you still are alive, there was this big concrete thing. And he was like, like, gr like kind of grinding his stomach against it. And I think I called him like a pole. He called me like 
gay or something. And I called him a pole humper. And that's what we like. That was the banter right at 11. I mean, it's so stupid. And so, um, I remember just, you know, being humiliated by that and it was over something, you know, super, super silly, you know, calling each other names. And so, I didn't tell my parents for like a couple of days. Well, they sent home like a pink slip or something saying that it had happened or I don't really remember, but my parents were livid that they spanked me because they didn't even get permission. Like they didn't even, mm-hmm. you know, call or sign second story. And we just talked about that this weekend. Cause I have, you know, two boys that are six and nine mm-hmm. um, in, in kindergarten. So I was five. Um, I won't say the teacher's name just in case she's still alive, but, um, you know, I remember blocks and playing in the room and we had those blue and red mats that you lay out on the floor. And obviously I was a talker, you know, my entire high school, elementary, middle school career was me talking to people in class when I was bored. Uh, surprise, surprise. And, um, anyway, Adam O'Neill, I will give him a shout out cause I'm still friends with him. He was talking during nap time and the teacher came over and got onto me. And I said, I'm not talking, I'm laying here. And she, uh, she was like, no, you were talking. She, after nap time, she wakes the entire class up. She sits us in a circle and then she sits in a chair and puts me over her knees and paddles me with her hand three times. Um, and then Adam confessed that it was him talking and she came and sat me down and told me the story of the boy who cries wolf and how I talk all the time. And so it was basically my fault for talking all the time. And if I wouldn't talk all the time, then she wouldn't have thought it was me. So the, I, I didn't with that story. All right. So those are the two like paddling spanking situations that I remember that, you, you know, made a hu- huge impact on my life and like just shame. And especially for me, I was a very sensitive kid. I didn't want to cause any problems. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't yeah. have an attitude. Um, so for me to get it, it just felt so violating. Um, but that is, yeah. That honestly breaks my heart. I mean, thank you for sure for sharing those stories. And when you said kindergarten, I immediately felt my whole body tense up mm-hmm. because well, I'm like, this is happening to kindergartners. And we actually have a another board member who got into this because she had she has a child that she fostered and ended up adopting and um, he he was having trouble in kindergarten and um, anyway they called her and she she was like well they called her and asked if they could spank him and she said well yeah I guess I mean if that's what it takes like she didn't really have time to pro- like I think them prompting her to like like them asking blatantly this parent and she's like I guess. And it was one of those things she didn't really have time to process and it happened. And like, now she's like this huge advocate against it because she realized later that that wasn't helping that none of that, none of the punitive, like this, none of it was helping. It was making him worse, Mm -hmm. you know, made his behaviors worse. And now she's a huge advocate against it. And she's actually on our board, but I, it shocks me time and time and time again, to hear about it happening in kindergarten and it shouldn't happen at any point in adolescence. But I mean, kindergarten, like, I mean, oh, you still think of them as babies. Yeah, like, I have a kindergartner like, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, that's my if, son too. If my, if, a, if somebody, if somebody spanked my child in a classroom in front of all kind uh, in a circle because they talk <laughs> during nap time. Oh my Lord, I would lose it. Something would, that's developmentally appropriate. Like, 
and then in front of the entire class like that's shame that could be lifelong like oh that's- yeah i mean i could i've worked through that in therapy for some years and people might hear this and go oh my gosh like it's not that big of a deal until it's their kid over something trivial you know it shouldn't be over anything right um and we can get into that but um yeah so it's it's wild that it happens still um I mean, yeah, and my my husband and I talked, and um, he remembers vividly in high school. Um, again, that choice, <laughs> like our our kids should not be that they, they are not. It's not okay for them to have to make a choice about their getting hit or something else. Like that's not. Um, and so he, again, in high school, time and time again, he chose to get paddled. Um, because he's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to Saturday school. I'm not doing this. I'm not, you know, like, and I'm just sitting there like, that is not okay. Like what that, what happened was not okay. And, um, I think especially for, for boys and men, like, you know, he's, he, he's like, Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal, but I'm like, is it though? Like, like, you know, like, yeah. I mean, that goes into just our whole society around, what is a big deal and what's not? What is trauma mm-hmm. and what's not? What am I going to mm-hmm. acknowledge as difficult to deal with and lifelong? I mean, bullying's the same way. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much bullying that happens when people are kids that especially men go, uh, you know, that that's just kids. Like kids are being jerks. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they push you down. They do these things. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not true though, because you're a mm-hmm. human being and you're not designed, your brain's not designed as a child to deal with, you know, people, talking about you, people pushing you, people harming you, people using power and control over you. And we know that that shatters people's worth and value. And nine times out of 10, you can get over it. If another person sits down and goes, Hey, that shouldn't have happened. Here's consequences for them. Hey, here, here's a better way to handle that. You know, but the, the lifelong effects are, well, those events happen, the paddling happens, the, the bullying happens and no one says, well, that shouldn't have happened. And that wasn't right. And so then you carry this, you know, I deserved it, you know, even though I got all these emotions about it, I don't know how to process those. So I'll just shove them deep, deep down in my gut and I'll just move on. And then I say, well, it doesn't affect me. And then we look in our life and we have alcoholism or abuse or we lose our temper with our spouses or we're, you know, we can't ever emote with our wife or our kids. And we wonder like, oh, well, that's just how men are. It's like, well, no, maybe men's emotional spirit has been crushed for so many decades that worse by the time we're adults we're so removed from being able to do those things because we just think that's how men are and Mm -hmm. it's a mess Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) and i i i you know there are statistics that you know boys are paddled um a lot more than girls um oh yeah i got a friend right now uh so you know, 10 years ago when they had their first kid, he was a boy and, you know, they spanked and that was the big thing. And that's just what you do. And that's, you know, you got to do it. And then they had a, you know, and then he, and then he, you know, he kind of stopped doing that. And then, um, they had a daughter and he was like, Oh, there's no way I'm ever spanking her. And so we, you know, we got into, it was like, it's such a funny, interesting thing where it's like, you know, your, your boy, you know, you're paddling him, you're popping him, you're yelling at him for all these little things then you have a daughter and it's like, uh, you know, Oh no, I'm that's my angel. That's my little baby. I'm not going to ever harm her and nobody else better either. And it's like, wow. Like that's how much we value women over men in that, in that arena, you know, like, well, you know, you don't get me started. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's like this, like, oh, we've got to toughen up. You know, we've got to, they can handle this. They can take this. And actually, our boys are born more sensitive, actually. Um, they're wired to need more emotionally than girls. I mean, it, that, that that's true. Um, research shows that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has to be debunked. And, you know, I also think you can also go into our school systems, you know, the watching my son, the way that he interacts, watching some of the kids that I've seen in my, in our nature-based schools, um, and just being able to not even nature-based, but just, we're not totally outside, like we're inside too, but the freedom of movement, um, watching what the boys that are four, five, six, seven, even eight years old choose to do over sitting is, it will just tell you everything you need yeah, to know. Yeah, what is I mean, it, like 90% running, of it? Yeah. They are running, they are jumping, they are moving, they are playing catch, they are, you know, and it's like our schools, our traditional public schools, you know, I think that's why they get in trouble. Boys get in trouble more is because they're not able to get that out. And so it's it when you talk about paddling and corporal punishment, there are so many factors that schools do things the way that they do. And um, it's so multifaceted. You you know, you can look at so many different things that are happening and it's like, that's why they paddle because, you know, first of all, it's not set up for our boys. They need to move a lot more. Mm-hmm. And when they're not getting all that out, they're going to be talking. They're going to be disrupting. They're going to be wiggling. They're going to be taking it out on a pier or whatever. Yep. Um, and so really our work is right now, it feels like you're moving. It's like an upward battle. I mean, what's the pushback? Like, what are people like, why, why is this still on the books and what do they, how do they justify it? Well, so we actually did, um, there was a big thing in the, we have a really awesome, social justice page that's run Facebook page. That's not run by us. It's run by a group of individuals. Um, and they actually like pull to the surface, all of these like legal cases that are going on and like just different things that are going on that the mainstream media doesn't really talk about. And so lots of like teachers and doctors and lawyers for, you know, sexual abuse stuff and so they'll have it on there and people are like oh my gosh you know and recently there was a school where um a coach was taken into custody over leaving marks Mm. on a child this coach was also the paddler i guess (laughs) and left visible red marks and the parent you know, came and anyway, so it was a big ordeal. And, um, one of our board members sent an email, um, to the superintendent, I guess, at the, at this school and was talking about statistics and talking about, you know, if, you know, they wanted alternatives, we have resources, how do you feel about still providing corporal punishment despite all this research against it? And now you've got a lawsuit on your hands, like da da da. And it took weeks for it to get a reply. And it was just like, 
I mean, you wouldn't, it was just, it was basically like a slap to the face. It was just like, this is what we're going to do because this is what's always been done. Mm. And we don't have the resources to do anything different. That's wild. So it was really disheartening, like not even wanting to open up a conversation. Like that's what gets me is like, I get that our schools are, I mean, in, you know, staffing is an issue in our schools right now. I mean, our schools are going through a lot. Um, yeah. And I understand that, <laughs> but not even wanting to open up dialogue about it, like totally shutting it down. You're t- just ignoring the research, ignoring best practices for kids. I'm like, that's not somebody that I want in charge of my kid. If they're not even willing to have a conversation about this, um, then that just shows me that we've got a bunch of people in charge of our schools that mm. are just ignoring oh, the data. Yeah. We, know, we know that. I mean, you know, these systems that are set up, you know, to put human being. I mean, I feel like one of the things that so drives me nuts is that when I look at systems, whether it's judiciary system, the school system, the policing system, um, you know, the health system, it's like. All right, so who, cre- you know, historically, who created these systems of people who function to do what? Like, what's their primary role in society? It's to take, you know, to manage humans within whatever the system it is. But nobody who, like, created these systems 40 years ago understands human beings. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't created, like, the, the emotional and spiritual and mental, you know, capacity, what works for children, what works for humans, what works for couples, what works for men and women, you know, how do they progress? How are they more resilient? How do they have more emotional intelligence? Like how do they become a successful human being? None of that has been considered in the creating of the systems. And so now we're like 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, a thousand years into it. And only in the last 20 to 30, do we have the science and the neurology and the, you know, the kind of now we know, like we've guessed, but we now we know like these things are true about children. These things are true about adults. These things are true about when you hit a person or when somebody experiences trauma or when somebody's, you know, whatever. And yet, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not able to go, Hey, okay, we now know this. It's beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is true. So why are we still doing this? I know. And the answer is, ah, you know, we just always have. And so we see that this is causing a huge problem, but it's not near enough of a problem or as important as like just maintaining our day and getting through the day with these 35 kids each hour. And you don't understand Clint, you don't understand Chelsea. Like we have all these people that we have to take care of. We're not paid enough. We overwork, we're exhausted. We're frustrated. We can't stop and figure out a IEP special education for this these two kids who have behavior problems. So it's easier or better for us just to paddle them. They'll behave for a while and then we can go back to doing what we're doing. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I mean, and I empathize with that. You know, it's like the the teacher's like, I don't have time to go over there and deep breathe with this kid. I don't have time to help him regulate. I don't have time to, you know, go home. I can't go to the mom and talk to the parents about what they're doing at home and teach them skill. You know, it's just, it feels like too much. It does. And I think the thing is, though, is is every single bit of change starts with a conversation and starts with and and from what I've seen is, is these conversations are uncomfortable. People don't want to have them. And so what we've started doing, we've realized that, all right, 
we're not getting through to the administrators. We're not getting through to the principals. We're not getting through to the big old boys, the big good old boys, <laughs> big old boys, good old boys that are in charge of the education system in Arkansas because it's just a bunch of good old boys that are like not get, you know have been doing the same things for years and years and years and years and years. So we're going to the parents, and what we're doing is we are working out how to educate parents on, you know, but then, you know, if you're educating on paddling in schools, you have to have the conversation about not hitting at home too. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's delicate stuff, but there's education involved. Um, and it's not, it's, it's educating about the neuroscience, educating about all of that attachment connection, uh, discipline, all of that. And then arming the parents with the knowledge of how to go to school boards, like, because it's like organized together and bring this stuff to the school board, run for your school board, um, run for those positions, um, educate yourself, um, form groups and start asking questions and start. I think that's how change is going to slowly, slowly happen because parents want what's best for their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and parents want to know what to do and what they've done in these school boards, especially here in the South. I'm sure it's the same way in Louisiana is they've kind of got them. They kind of got them like gridlocked into where it's like, this is the school board and everybody's supposed to be able to come and, and talk about their issues. But like they've made it impossible to even go and speak uh, for a parent to even go and speak up. Like they're trying to make those even like to where parents can't. So it's telling, educating parents about what their rights are, Mm -hmm. educating them about how to go to a school board meeting and get two minutes to talk or whatever. Um, because it's scary thinking about going up to these meetings and they don't know their rights. And so um, that's kind of what our work is moving to is to, well, we're always going to be on the legislative level. It's some capacity. Now, do you guys have lawyers um, that are on your, on the nonprofit got, helping with it? Like what's we, the we've meat got, of getting somebody to change? Well, on the legislative angle, we are, we have somebody who is, I don't know if he's a lawyer, but he's the connection to all of that. And then um, we have talked, you have to have, like we found out, you have to have a lot of your stuff together. It takes a lot of work to introduce a bill. But our goal for 2024 is to introduce a bill. Um, It might be 2025 now. Um, And uh, we're working with the, there's so many different groups. um, And I forget the names of all of them. But there's these different education groups that kind of control everything. And we have quarterly meetings with them where we're like, hey, you know, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> like there's different people on the Zoom, like different different organizations on that call. And so we're kind of just inserting ourselves there who whatever board member can be there. It's like this is us and we're still not going away. Yeah. Um, so change is really, 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 really slow. And they, they want this like concrete thing to do. They're like, well, what do we do instead? And you and I both know 
there's not a one size fits all training or answer to that. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a you know steering a barge and and turning it over the course of the next ten years. You know, I think one of the hard things is 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 that even though it happens, it's not you know it's not lots of kids every day, and so the average parent. I mean, it's more than we want, but the yeah. average parent. It, they never experience it, right? So the right. large majority of parents, their kid never gets paddled. And so the time and energy it takes for those parents whose kids don't get paddled to be to put into trying to get people not to get paddle, it's like that's what you need, but it's only the few people who are dealing with it. Last night I uh, um, met, uh, I was on KSLA, and after I got done, uh, some other ladies were in there, and it was mom's on the move and they are mothers against uh, violence because their sons have been shot um, and killed. Um, and so one of the moms was there last night and her son was coming out of his job at Willis Knighton, which is a hospital here. And uh, somebody thought he was somebody else. He's 20 and they shot him and killed him. And uh, last year, so she was just, you know, talking with me about it right before I was going on my segment, we were just kind of talking out in the lobby and um, you know, that doesn't happen to a lot of kids. And so the people who are advocating are a very small, loud group, but you know, it's, it's just an uphill battle. Legislation is, is like, well, you need a lot of people with a lot of power and a lot of pull to get anybody to change their mind. And yet, you know, it's gotta have, you know, conversations like this, that people even know this is going on and people feel passionate enough to go, Hey, I'll, I'll send a letter. I'll do something. So you know, I appreciate your time and sharing, you know, this with my audience so that they can know that this goes on here. It goes on in Arkansas. It goes on in yeah. other schools. And again, a yeah. lot of parents just don't even know it happens. So they don't even know to think about it or look it up or advocate. And so yeah, I appreciate that's you a doing good point. that work. Yeah. Thank you for saying all that. And that those are really good points. And I do think there's a lot of parents that I think the, the group of parents that are going to really do that a lot of us are ones that have come from these situations where we were paddled or we, we can't imagine our kids being paddled yeah. because for me, it's, well, if my kid, if it's not acceptable for my kid, it's not acceptable for any kid. And these kids are in my community. Right. right? And, and, and this isn't, this kind of, you know, violence has a ripple effect. It doesn't just affect that child yeah. it has a ripple effect on the entire community really yeah. and it when it compounds and so um you do have to have the heart and you have to have the you have to know that it's happening um and a lot of times when you really think about it it's closer to affecting you than you really realize yep. um and so well when so a many- kid i mean even <laughs> if a kid doesn't get paddled just knowing that that goes on and that it could happen yeah. to them um, you know, it gives anxiety and fear and it, it says certain things are okay. And, you know, I, I think it's crazy that like you would, <laughs> I think it's crazy that you would go to jail for, for hitting anyone in your life, but corporal punishment in a school by a stranger who has no training and who just got, you know, nominated as the paddler for the day or for the month or for the year. Um, all of that just is so insane to me. Um, outside yeah. of whether I think you should or shouldn't be allowed to do that in your own home, allowing someone to do that. And that, you know, we don't even have time to go into, you know, 
the, this is happening to the majority kids that already have trauma who are already being hit and abused at home who are already, yeah. you know, having problems, it, you know, yes. it's not, li- it, it's not likely happening to the kid whose parents don't spank and who that you is know, right. have attunement and attachment and who are healthy. It's, it's happening. I tell people this all the time. If you go over to the juvenile detention center here in Shreveport, there's 160 kids in there. And if you ask them, raise your hand if you got spanked as a kid, or raise your hand if you get spanked, 160 of them would raise their hand. So they're in the yeah. detention center. They've been hit with extension cords and paddles and sticks and whips and you know all kinds of things. Yeah. And it didn't change their behavior. They ended up in the detention center. So what else is Good going? Point. What else is going on? You know. So I'm anyway. glad you said that. Um, really quickly, if yeah. anybody wants to look it up. The school to prison pipeline. Um, Tate, who used to be our, um, he was our director. He's no longer, um, but he's getting his PhD and he didn't have time. But he did, he's done a couple podcast episodes on it. He's written a paper on the school to prison I've heard pipeline. Of that, yeah. It's really fascinating. And that it goes into exactly what you're talking about and why it's an issue, like, um, yeah, and why we need to be thinking about it talking about it and so awesome yeah well thank you for your time today um i know we both got busy schedules so i appreciate your time Mm -hmm. appreciate you sharing and just bringing awareness to this topic um you know i want to have you on again in another six months or so because we always have a good time talking um so they can find you go ahead what's your handles uh chelsea harrington coaching all right y'all check her out and y'all listen to the Mm -hmm. other podcast that we did if you missed it and god bless y'all and have a good week 